Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host. This is episode 324. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez. That is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm hanging in there. You know, just uh, watching some FIBA hoops, doing some... I, I did a, a thread from a FIBA exhibition game. That's how down bad I am in the office. Yeah, I, was, I saw you <laughs> post that in the Discord, and I was really... I didn't want to, like... I was like, I, I didn't know, I didn't say it because I was like, he might, like, he might come across shitty. But I was like, fucking hell, we need NBA basketball back so badly for threading fucking FIBA hoops here. Um, but you know, you know what happened? I, I fucking couldn't go to sleep one day, which is <laughs> odd. I usually can fall asleep very easily, and I was just like, fuck it, it's one a.m. Let's watch some three twenty p. What what was it? <laughs> Canada, uh, Germany yeah. versus Canada. Get some RJ on, uh, uh, on YouTube. On some, I need to see how RJ's track out, trailing screens. The I'll sh- <laughs> <laughs> that, that's literally the kind of shit I was looking for. I'll shout them out at the end of the episode because I can't remember their name. But there's one, there's one nameless hero out there on YouTube uploading full games of exhibition games. Don't, um, so, don't shout him out then. Uh, n- not all heroes wear capes. Don't shout. It. What do you mean? You this person deserves a fucking Nobel. Yeah, yeah but you prize. don't want to put his shit out there because you still want him to upload that shit, man. Yeah, it's oh, you're it's right, like, right. Spider Man, like like when when his mask falls <laughs> off and the Tobey Maguire Spider Man, and they're all like passing him over his head. Don't look at him; he's a hero. <laughs> I can't, I can't let the feds know. My bad. I was slipping. Yeah. Uh, I was slipping. And uh, we do have a guest. His first time on the pod. His name is Sam Sheehan. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at NBA Baby Secret. Uh, he goes by Jurassic Herald on there. He's also the co-host of the You Know Ball <laughs> podcast with Trollboro Dude. Sam, how are you doing? Gentlemen, I am ecstatic to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I know there's one thing every New York um, you know, uh, sports fan wants. It's more Boston-adjacent uh, talking heads in their products. So... I'm I'm happy to fill that void. You know, there's just there's just not enough guys talking about Boston in the NBA media. So I'm happy to come on here and help. Yeah, out. we're we're always like there's anytime we can get more ringer in our lives, uh, we're all for it. <laughs> so uh, before we get started, we have to make a few announcements. The first being that Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strick on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland. Also has merchandise, which you can find on our website, which is at www.thestrick.land. You can find a link on there to the store. We have t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, even water bottles, you name it. We've got it. Again, you can find that on our website. Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland's podcast that we host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Miko that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. 
There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Struck and Roll, my solo pod where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier that's going to a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. None of this would be possible without Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code Believe B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, okay. That was long, but we're now ready to talk about basketball, and it's it's very appropriate that we have you on today, Sam, uh, because in mm-hmm. what is a very dead period of uh, NBA, the NBA summer, the NBA 12-month news cycle, we did get one little trickle, little trickle involving a big Latvian. Uh, that would be one Chris Tappens Porzingis, who obviously is now... Uh, a member of the Boston Celtics, your beloved Boston Celtics. Um, mm-hmm. And he has plantar fasciitis. He'll be out four to six weeks. He's not playing in the FIBA World Cup this summer. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I don't actually think this is a big deal, but I want to go back before you even traded for Kristaps because I, this is where, like, mm-hmm. I, like, from the outside looking in, right? So as Knicks fans, mm-hmm. you know, we're fucking sitting here and we're like, okay, all I got to hear about is like you get these 15 fucking guys that are national media NBA dudes. They're all got these Boston angles. And all you hear about is like, oh, I hate this team is so miserable. There's no soul. I hate the way they play. And I'm like, they're like number two in offense. They're number three in defense. They got the best net rating in the league. You've got these two wings, you know, Tatum and Brown. And it's like, it's also funny because uh, usually the the quote unquote soulless teams, and we were talking about this a little before the recording started. But like, when you think of soulless teams, you think of mercenary teams, right? But this team, mm-hmm. they had some acquisitions, but like overwhelmingly, yeah, Tatum, like, the heart of the team, Tatum Brown, Smart, Tatum Brown, Robert Williams, Smart, Robert Williams, Al Horford is like, like basically a Celtic four, at this point. He's like. Celtic for life. Basically. He's like he's like the adopted large Dominican uncle, and <laughs> he's part of the family now. So like you had five guys who were like who give you that home yeah. feeling, but still, all the Celtics fans, even the ones who acknowledged this team was good, were just like, man, they just don't sit well. <laughs> yeah. So I, I what I wanted to ask is like, so could you? Because you know you have this stretch, right? I think they've made what like five of the last six Eastern Conference Finals. They obviously lost in the NBA Finals the previous year to Golden State in six games. Um, can you explain, like, why? And I, I, my dad's a Celtics fan, so, like, he hated this year's team. The mm-hmm. entire year, he's just telling me, like, I fucking hate watching yeah. this team. And, I'm again, I'm sitting here, I'm like, you yeah. guys are, like, 57 wins. Shut up. Like, I don't want to hear about this. Um, but can, <laughs> can you explain, like, why it felt like this year's team just – for whatever reason with like Celtics fans, it just did not resonate. And it felt like a slog for you guys so much this year. It, it kind of goes back to like, honestly, what we, we say this on the, you know, ball podcast. And I think it's true. Like, I think it just goes back to being like fucking spoiled. <laughs> like, it really just is like 
Celtics fans have had this sustained run of success and kind of, you know, they've had these young teams that is now kind of matured to a team that's pretty squarely in its prime. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of these guys on the team are, you know, between the ages of like 25 and, you know, 28, you know. Um, so that I think that part of that is, you know, kind of this sustained run of success, but like never getting over the hump, you know, like I think that there is, you know, there's never really been any release. There's kind of been like this thought of like, oh, okay, like we got outfoxed by like Eric Spolstra and this, this bubble Miami team, but like, you know, we'll be back next year. And then it's like, you know, Jalen Brown's hurt and you run into this, you know, the only time this Nets team was healthy in the playoffs and you just get smacked and everyone felt bad then. And, you know, Brad Stevens leaves and then it's like, okay, new coach, Ime Odoka. There was a lot of angst about Ime early on in his coaching career, but then, you know, everyone was pretty squarely in his corner um, by the time that finals run happened. And then everyone was pretty squarely not in his corner <laughs> the following offseason um, for obvious reasons. And then you end up with like Joe Missoula coaching the team. And you just, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, there's a little bit of entitlement um, there. I mean, I, I think that there is, um, I'm like pretty much at this point just a Celtics fan. I'm not really a Boston sports fan. Um, and I think that those are kind of. Were you before though? Oh, I was before. I was before in my, like, younger days. But, like, again, to go back to, like, the mercenary thing, like, it felt awesome the first time the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Like, I I didn't really care, like, like later on down the line. Like, it, you know, there's a certain, like, I I would trade, you know, you guys have probably seen those prompts that go around about, like, how many, if you could only have, like, five titles in your life, how would you allocate them amongst your, like, sports teams? I would, like... I would trade pretty much every title of my lifetime except the 2001 Super Bowl and the 2004 Red Sox run for like any, any, this Celtics group winning with Marcus Martin, Robert Williams, just cause like this was my team. I watched them like, I'd like from like basically build this team from the ground up. Like, you know, I was watching Brandon Bass and Chris Humphreys oh and Marshawn Brooks and those guys. <laughs> for, like, like great deep cuts. <laughs> You're right. And, and, you know, like, I, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, I, I know it was only like a few years, you know, Celtics fans are still crazy spoiled by that thing. But I, I think part of that is just there is like a little bit of a psychosis going on with like, I think Celtics fans really thought they would like win a title by now. And then it just seems to be kind of going backwards. And that's how you end up with things like, you know, uh, the heart and soul of the team, Marcus Smart getting you know, traded to Memphis and everyone being like, yeah, this is, this is good. Like this whole, this will help the team, um, you know, be better. One quick question. Um, How much, what kind like, that was a really insightful description of like the things that have led to this mindset among a large portion of the fan base. We we can both identify with that as as Yankees fans. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, it's probably a very similar thing. Like, you know, the nineties, honestly, it was probably like a similar thing to like New York. Honestly, it's probably a pretty similar feeling to like New York after like the 2009 Yankees title, you know, giants won in 2008 stomped out that uh, 18 and one, 18 and one to the Patriots. Like you had that nineties run. There's like a lot of, so you guys are probably pretty familiar with that feeling of like, you know, 
wow, we just win so much. It's starting to get boring at this point. I know? never, I never, I never had that shit because by the same time I was a Yankees fan, I was a Knicks yeah. fan. So we had the, oh. the mental balance <laughs> out here. Yeah. Unlike, see, your problem is y'all had one team, no Knicks. Yeah. Y'all had just success yeah. from all these fucking teams. And, I, and I'm a Bills except fan. for Boston, and then even Boston got their shit together. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm a Bills fan, so yeah. no success. No championships. Swin, Swin is the most appreciative motherfucker on Twitter, <laughs> which which you wouldn't know if you only looked at his tweets. But what the question I was going to ask is, um, mm. like, how does play style factor into this? Because especially early on last season and mm. also the season before, mm-hmm. um, I think particularly on offense, I think everybody was like, I love the defense. There's nothing weird or like questionable about it. This is our identity. Defense. Look at all these motherfuckers who can defend and mm-hmm. switch and do all this stuff. Even whether it's Stevens or Udoka mm-hmm. or this guy, like the guys execute most of the time, although a little bit less often last season, but still most of the time. Mm-hmm. Well on offense, you know, like people would often reduce myself included, reduce the offense to a little bit of just like bombs away. And obviously it's you don't get like a, a top offense by only just bombs away, but there were a lot of really good shooters and they did fire away. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes, especially with just the level of talent on the teams, it was like, shouldn't we be doing something more nuanced or more complicated? Like this indescript, ambiguous, like, are we leaving something on the table? Is this going to bite us in the ass? Do we need to, do yeah. we need to lead into Tatum's yeah. inner Kobe? Well, and that's, but yeah. that, that, that's kind of like unironically. Uh, so I want to, I want to be clear. Cause I, I've got to kind of draw a little bit of a line between myself and like most Celtics fans, because I am very much in the minority on a lot of what I'm about to say. I, I think this goes back to Jason Tatum in a lot of ways, because I think Jason Tatum is an excellent player who I think is pretty fundamentally misunderstood because I actually think he's like a pretty, He's definitely a very good offensive player, but I think he gets way too much credit for his offense and not enough credit for his like defensive rebounding and some of the other aspects of his game. Like he's a much more well-rounded player um, mm. in like a lot of ways. I don't when I see like Jason Tatum taking over, I'm not feeling great. I'm not like, wow, this is awesome. You know, like you'll get games, like you'll catch a good Jason Tatum game. Like you'll catch that. um, I think it was game seven against the Sixers this year when he just like is ripping their heart out. And it's like, yeah, well, this is what superstars do. What you didn't see was him like stinking out the joint for like the, (laughs) the five games before that. He's like quietly like one of the most inconsistent like players in the like superstars in the NBA. Now, I've had some pushback on that from other Celtics fans. They've thrown stats to me like, he has one of the longest streaks of 10 points or more. I'm like, oh, oh, awesome. I'm sorry. He gets 10 points when he shoots 20 times a game. That's, that's the awesome. Definitive, the definitive measure of consistency. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I think, to, I, I think like, you know, my, my take, I think Jalen Brown gets like a little too much, too much hate. Um, I think Jalen Brown just really stinks against Miami. Like Miami has his number for whatever reason, but Jalen Brown, if you go back and look at pretty much every other playoff series he's played in, he's been, um, you know, varying degrees of okay to good. I mean, like his, was, I think his third year in the league, that hospital Celtics year, he put 30 on LeBron, like a prime LeBron with like the Cavs, like, 
So like, you know, Jalen Brown is clearly not of the same caliber of Jason Tatum, but I think this is more just about Jason Tatum's, you know, current limitations. Now I still do think he can like grow into some of this, like part of it. The other thing that was really weird about Jason Tatum was he like completely inverted last year. Like for a while, he was like one of the worst at rim finishers in the NBA and would like really easily get knocked off. Um, his spot couldn't finish around the rim through contact. And a lot of times that compounded because he's also one of the league's biggest complainers. So every time like a call was missed, he'd be arguing all the way up the floor, you know, doing all this this year. He was like one of just an assassin, like, like around the restricted area finishing, um, finishing through contact. He got a lot stronger, but then his shooting crater this year compared to like past years. And yeah, that talked kind- about the pull up, the pull up numbers. Mm-hmm. They're rough. Their pull-up shooting is pretty volatile, but even mm-hmm. with that, yeah, and and that's and that's kind of the thing is like you need Jason Tatum like taking over, and like at the end of the game, you're tired. It's probably a pull-up shot. Like you know, he's this is a guy whose favorite player growing up was Kobe Bryant. Like Kobe took him under his wing before he passed away. Like this is like you know, and I I, I I've always said that like Kobe Bryant's greatest revenge on the Boston Celtics was. <laughs> getting Jason Tatum to play like him because I, I I really feel like Jason Tatum should be playing a little bit more like Kawhi Leonard than Kobe Bryant. Like, and I think that that would make the Celtics a much better team because he's, he's just so like, I think he can be downright dominant, especially as an off ball defender and like, kind of like he he can like, people look at me like I'm crazy when I say this, but he can be kind of like a mini Giannis just in terms of like when he's kind of set free to roam as like a, like help defender um, you know, a lot of times they want Robert Williams in that role, who's like even more athletic, but like Jason Tatum is really good at like reading the floor and kind of jumping passing lanes, um, helping. He's kind of the, uh, almost the polar opposite of uh, Jalen Brown, who is like not a good off ball defender at all, but can be like very solid on ball. I, I, I guess just to like kind of answer your question, I think that just this team, um, there was a slow drip in like um, you know playmaking too. This is quietly not a very good passing team. It's awful. Yeah, they're really um, and I think that, yeah. When Joe Mazzula came in, um, he really leaned into the Mori ball. Like it was a lot about analytics, about you know shooting a lot of threes, getting these threes up, and like the Celtics just were not that good of a shooting team. Like they were like okay, they were like on you know, they were on the higher end. I want to say they were like between twelve and ten or something in like three point percentage and they had all this volume. But then also what that leads to is like these games where you're yeah. like blowing teams out by thirty sometimes, but then other mm-hmm. times you're like losing games that you really should win. And I think that also compounded things because people like read that as like no heart. Because the other thing about the NBA these days that yeah, is um yeah. I've kind of had to adjust to, and I think a lot of fans who've been watching for a long time has is like a 20 point lead doesn't mean the same thing today that it even meant like what, like 10 years ago. Like th- that is not a safe lead that evaporates all the time. And I think people are just watching the Celtics blow these 20 point leads. And it's like, these guys are soft. These guys are babies. Like, you know, and I, I don't know. I think we saw, I felt very, Like, even though they lost game seven against Miami this year, I felt pretty justified when they showed off their testicular fortitude and, like, forced that game seven. Um, You know, and it's a real shame that Jason Tatum went down, like, the third play of the game with an ankle injury because I really think they could have, 
even though Miami blew them That'll out. I'll go down in Celtics lore with Kendrick Perkins' injury as another <laughs> great what if that NBA media will constantly remind us about. I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know because they love Jimmy too. Oh, like God. I can't tell you how many times. Like Jack no, said, trust oh, me. Would you, yeah, it was a. You don't a need to tell us about Jimmy. Jimmy. Butler three away. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got a full <laughs> like, dose of like six games oh, of just like. Oh man, what a victory for Heat culture! It's like they won Game One. Is that really like a he victory sucked. for Heat yeah, culture? That, Jimmy, sucked. <laughs> uh, Jimmy sucked in both those series. He got bailed out by Caleb Martin. So I don't know. Tell I, that, I, tell that to Thibodeau, who was like, "We gotta fucking treat him like prime Jordan. <laughs> yeah. He's at the elbow. Get our offense. The priority is just is just our largest wings on Jimmy Butler, uh, noted uh, ISO specialist. So I, I wanted to go back to something and this kind of i think i i i i gonna throw a few things out there one my thinking has been like if you have as like when you commit your team in a lot of ways right tatum and brown are the focus Mm -hmm. of this team and that's fine that's logical decision makes sense one Mm -hmm. do you think it it's it says something about them inherently as players. Not necessarily like I mean they're flawed. Every player is flawed. But like not not to like yeah. shit on them, but like do you think it says something about them as players that you've rotated out various point guards? You've obviously undergone significant coaching changes in this time. You even have a new GM now, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've made all these moves. You come yeah. in, you get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who I don't really think is like the true floor general point guard that he gets a rep of a lot of times. He's a really great. Yeah. I think he's bad. I think he's. Oh yeah. (laughs) He's He's like my most hated something. He's (laughs) he's really good at driving to the rim. Right. But like you get these. So they added somebody that gets a little rim pressure and like all this is constantly and it's okay. But like, it feels like at the end of the day, they have the same problems they have had. While while they've improved as a team because Tatum's better, Brown's better, you know, guys like Smart is better, Robert Williams mm. healthy, whatever, they're better as a team. But their underlying yeah. issues of like we can't run an offense at the end of games, we can't yeah. consistently get shots at the rim, we don't have a guy that can organize yeah. us consistently in the half court. And I and I so I think like one, me and Prez have talked about this a bunch. One, I think like it is really hard to find the proper point guard that can balance all of that shit when you have so much usage effectively tied up in Tatum and Brown. That's one. The second part is Mm -hmm. do you think that guard is even out there and is that somebody that the Celtics could acquire, which I don't know. And then the third part is this is I think there were two kind of if they were going to make a major change in the team. I thought there were like basically two things they could yeah. do, right? And one was you flip Brown and try to do whatever the hell you want to do there, and, and that's one. They obviously did not choose that. They chose mm-hmm. to give Jalen Brown all the money and keep him. Um, but the mm-hmm. other one is effectively like what they did, where they were like we are just getting a three-point shooting, stretch five, and trading out smart, and like we're going to go this way and, and just, I mean, I, I know that Porzingis is a, has been a really good rim protector, but this feels like a very offensive 
focused move that very much like you mentioned the Mori ball yeah. stuff with uh, Missoula. Like this feels very much like a Missoula, like get me this guy and I'm going to turn your offense into this fucking juggernaut. And like me and Prez have argued about this, like actually like way too aggressively for two non Celtics fans. Um, but like, I don't, I think they're just diminishing returns at a certain point on like as good as a shooter as he is. And as much as he's like a true weapon out there versus like Horford, who is out there a lot of times. Um, Like, I I just don't know that the ancillary benefits you get from that in terms of like, will it make life easier for Tatum and Brown to get to the rim? Like, I don't know those benefits there, but ultimately like that is an offensive focused thing. And there's a trade off though, because you're trading out, a guy, you know, you mentioned this. Like, why are fans like on paper? It's like a clear talent win. But like, Smart has been there since 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Ninth year, he thinks he played nine years with Celtics. They didn't have a long rebuild, yeah. but he was actually there for like their bad year. Um, and it's like this guy is the he never missed the playoffs. Right. Never missed the playoffs. Yeah, he never missed the right. playoffs. And- the Celtics. They were, I think, they were 26 and. Uh, something bef- the year before they drafted right. him, and then they never missed the playoffs right. again after drafting him. So, so it's like, do you just feel like? I mean, no, that's a lot. I just threw at you, but I mean, do you think there's at least some truth to any of that, or like at least like logic to a lot of yeah, it? Or what? I, I mean, I think that's a lot of the you know, I think that's a lot of the national media discussion on this. Um, I think a lot of. You know, I, I was winding up before you brought in that last part. I, I was going to make a whole joke about, yeah, I mean, the perfect point guard for the Celtics, you know, it would need to be like a pretty big guy, um, very strong, uh, doesn't necessarily need the w- usage, but could be a good playmaker and could also switch one through five. But that's just impossible that a guy like that could be the point guard for the Boston Celtics. You just can't, you can't have that. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess my biggest mistake, because I, I, I think that, I do think that there is something to be said about not necessarily like how Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are like wired necessarily, but just like their strengths as players. I just don't think either like, I think Jalen Brown honestly is more of a um, go get a bucket when it matters guy than Jason Tatum is. Um, The problem is, is that he can't dribble the basketball. And like the second he tries to do that in crunch time, you just throw two guys at him and he's going to cough it up, you know, but like if he does get a chance, like in isolation or like in a one-on-one, like I actually Jalen Brown has like been like very good at that stuff. Um, Jason Tatum's like the thing, other thing about these guys is it's kind of hard to remember that they're like still not like super young, but they're still like pretty young um, for like, you know, how, how, for how often we've been like seeing these guys in the playoffs. So like, you know, Jason Tatum is still kind of getting a little bit better every year. Like the passing comes on along a little bit every year. You know, we saw his at room finishing explode last year at the, you know, at the cost of his jump shooting. But I, 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 I think, you know, I'm going to kind of cop out by saying like, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think that they need um, what the, I think that, you know, they would, they do need like a, a, not necessarily a true alpha, but just a guy who can score easier and like a little bit more like efficiently around them. And, you know, maybe that is Chris Epps Porzingis. Um, I'm not going to hold my breath, but um, you know, I can definitely like see the argument. I mean, when, when uh, Shams was reporting like, up into the deadline that the it was going to be like a first round pick 
and Malcolm Brogdon, I was like, absolutely sign me up. This is amazing. Like this guy was like an all-star, but when you like pull Marcus smart, who's like the best passer on the team on a team that was already like a pretty bad passing team, um, a guy who has, you know, the, the stats don't back this up, but I can just tell you as like an eye test guy, like that he is really knows what he's doing in like dribble, pick and roll. Like he does when he gets the option to like organize, can organize an offense and he's like understand player. He's I'll a great best pick- one on the, on the Celtics. Yeah. He's a great pick and roll play. And like just the, the chemistry he had with Robert Williams, um, like, you, you know, there's a lot of ancillary stuff that smart did to kind of tie this team together. And I just, I really worry about that stuff. Like who's like smart with secondarily quarterback, um, the defense, you know, there's plenty of highlights of him, like worrying too much about telling guys where to stand and like blowing his own coverages. Um, that ultimately like really doesn't happen that much, like in important moments for him. I, for me, the, it just begins and ends with like Marcus Smart, and maybe I'm like just too Marcus Smart pill. That he was my favorite Celtics player, um, and maybe I'm just too close to this. I'm like in my feelings, but like I really feel like that's going to come back to bite the Celtics in the ass, and I think he's going to be like exactly what the Grizzlies need, and like it's kind of turned me around on you know where the Grizzlies are going to be. So I, I guess this is all a long-winded way of saying like you know I don't know. I could see it going you know, either way. I mean, I think that the plan is for them to like, you know, set offensive efficiency records this year and, you know, records in three point attempts um, and just have that carry the team. But I just, I think it's going to be pretty ugly basketball, to be honest. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of, you know, just counting on Porzingis to shoot over guys who are closing out on him because he's like seven, four and can just shoot over, you know, closeouts. And then, you know, um, kind of these one pass shots off of, uh, you know, Jason Tatum driving, but like, you know, he got clowned on a lot. I think the Celtics are really going to miss Grant Williams a lot too. Like, especially if they end up in a Bucks series, cause he was, he's been very important for them like against the Bucks. So I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be very interesting. I was pretty just down on the trade from a vibes perspective, but you know, I could see it going either way. And I mean, the other thing here is Porzingis' health, you know, like, and that's just kind of flip a coin. You know, he's already got a lower body injury, um, you know, not even a month into his Celtics tenure. Um, you guys, I'm sure, are familiar with the Christoph Porzingis uh, <laughs> experience. So, our good friend. You know, I think you, yeah. So, you know, I, you know, on the one hand, you know, you can look at all that he had this career year last year with the Wizards. He has all these insane rim protection and, you know, like post up stats. There's all sorts of like things about him as like what an efficient scorer and all the Celtics guys who are like clip hounds and love like pulling synergy numbers are like, you know, tweeting out this propaganda. You know, on the other side of the coin, he played for the Washington Wizards. Um, I don't know what that's going to look like when he's playing with two guys who are better than him instead of being the best guy on his team. And, um, you know, what it looks like for a team that's actually, you know, trying to win at a high level. So I, I, I don't know. I don't feel good going into the season, but you can tell me anything. You can tell me the Celtics are, you know, uh, 41 and 41 at the end of the season. I'd be like, yeah, I, I believe it. Or you can tell me they're, you know, 63 and uh, whatever that adds up to be 18 and or 19. And I'd be like, yeah, I believe that too. You know, so just, uh, you know, that, and I guess that's the variance of having a, a three point shooting team like this. I just think this is going to be a team with a lot of variance. They're going to destroy the nuggets by like 
30 at one point this year and they're gonna like lose to the hornets like at the buzzer <laughs> like there's gonna be shit like that going on all year so You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.